Hi, everyone. Hope everyone is having an awesome Rosh Chodesh Nisan. What a great month. Uh, we will be doing the live classes again after, God willing, Bezer Hashem, after Pesach. For now, this is a recording, but just wanted to do a shout out and mazel tov to Rachel and Ivri Amar on the birth of their son, Mayor. May, may he be a tremendous source of nas, nachas and blessing to you both. Amen. Okay, so this class is for the Refuah Shlema of Sarah Bat Yocheved, Le'ilui Nishmat Golda Pera Bat Yaakov HaKohen, Le'ilui Nishmat Zilpa Bat Aram. Okay, we are in the month of Nisan and the fact that I'm even giving a class, recording a class, Literally on Rosh Chodesh Nisan is nothing short of a miracle. Yesterday at around, I don't know, 2 p.m., 3 p.m., I just started even putting this class together. You know, by the end of the night, I was exhausted. I was like, there is no way I'm going to be able to record anything. And Baruch Hashem, here we are today. I'm actually giving over the class. Thank you, Hashem. Okay, so what is this month all about? Um, If anyone didn't have a chance, of course, I listened to Gedalia Fenster, his class from last year. On the month of Nisan, I also listened to Ellie Pereira's class. You can find them on Instagram. And they gave some great insight on what is this month about. Okay, so it's the energy, the month, the energy of the month is renewal, rejuvenation, both physically and spiritually, right? We have a free gift from heaven, miraculous awakening from above, and to serve Hashem with zest, passion, and with excitement, right? We let go of our limited mindset and use our imagination for the positive. If in the past our imagination was used to, God forbid, catastrophize any situation, then you take that same imagination, that same seichel brain, and you flip it on its head and you use it to manifest positive, right, as a tikkun. So you, so essentially this month is all about like, like, oh, like setting goals and like going for them, right? In Adar, it was all about joy. And here in Nisan, we're, you know, talking everything out, setting the goals. Um, and Gedalia actually mentions three ways. He quotes Rav Dov, uh, Dover Pinson in the class from last year. How does one go about, you know, using this incredible energy of the month to manifest positive positivity, manifest goals? Number one, of course, what do we always do? We must first speak it out. Prayer. You say it, say it out loud. When you're either in Shmonesre and you're Hitbora dude and just, you know, going about your day. I have many friends who tell me all the time, you know, Rifka, I talk to Hashem all day in the car, in the grocery store, you know, running errands, etc. Great. During that time, talk to Hashem, say what you want. And always, always, the, the, the real thing we ask for is Hashem, please, I want to want what you want me to want. But like you, you, you start speaking the fact that you want to be in alignment with his will. Number two, visualize it, manifest it, right? When you try to visualize, you want to manifest. Sometimes the Yitzhahara wants to, you know, tell you, ah, there's no point of doing this. You know, why are you doing this? This is so silly. Okay, amazing. In the month of Nisan, we have that extra, you know, uh, oomph on our side to essentially tell the uh, negative self-speech, I don't believe you. When I say negative self-speech, I'm obviously talking about the Yitzhahara. Any negative thought is from the Yitzhahara. And you essentially tell those thoughts, I don't believe you. And when you let go of those negative thoughts, then you are able to start going into Hishtadlut. When you do the Hishtadlut, you go into the action, you are able to let go and let God. So you understand that whatever happens, Baruch Hashem, it's all from Hashem. So Bezrat Hashem, may this month be a super successful goal setting getting month of letting go of our any limited 
mindsets and really going into, you know, like essentially emulating our creator, right? Emulating our creator, you know, thinking higher than we feel, doing higher than we think. Um, and, you know, really, really um, running in a really, really positive Hashem-oriented direction. Amen. Okay, so we are going to pick up where we left off. Pick up where we left off, sorry. In learning the 13 principles of Amuna by Rabbi Laser Brody. So far, we have done 10 principles. And today, we will be finishing off the, you know, all the principles. Think out, we're going to be uh, learning principles 11, 12, and 13. Okay, so what have we done so far? Uh, we've done the following. So principle number one, there is no one but him. Ain od melvado. Principle number two, there is only one Hashem, divine unity. We spoke about Shema Yisrael. Principle three, Hashem is incorporeal, right? He has no body. Principle four, Hashem is first and last. He is, uh, he is beyond time and space. Number five, we pray only to him, right? There are no intermediaries. Number six, the words of the prophets are true. Number seven, Moshe was the foremost of all the prophets ever. Number eight, the unbroken chain of Torah. Number nine, eternal Torah. It's always relevant in any generation. And number 10, principle number 10, omniscience and divine providence, Hashem's personal supervision. Okay, so we are going to start with principle 11. Again, I'm saying in English, if you want the Hebrew, um, the, the actual way of saying it, look at the, I mean, I use the Art Scroll Siddur, so I'm telling you to go to the Art Scroll Siddur. At the end of Shachri, we have all 13 principles um, as codified um, by the Rambam. Okay, principle 11. I believe with complete belief that the creator, blessed be his name, rewards those who observe his commandments and punishes those who transgress his commandments. Simply put, this is our belief in reward or punishment, and of course, of course, of course, free will. It's important, it's important to note that there is no reward or punishment outside of free will. Also important to note that at every spiritual level, everyone has this free choice, right? So we can't go around thinking, you know, oh no, I'm only at, you know, X spiritual level. Look at that person who's done so much work, you know, and they're probably, you know, dancing through life, you know, gracefully without, you know, having any resistance or like, look at that incredible rabbi or look at that incredible teacher or look at that incredible, like, you know, spiritual giant, you know, uh, any of these negative self talking points are just false because again, we've learned this before that according to the Ramchal, the Yetzirah of each person is a, is in accordance with their level, right? We learned this in Tomer Devorah, just important to uh, reiterate that. Kabbalistically, we learned that observing a mitzvah is, is a tikkun in the world while transgressing it is a kilul, right? God forbid, a destruction. So we can deduce that the world's optimal function occurs in full observance of the Torah. Uh, again, we learned this in, Torah, in Tomer Devorah. What happens when we actually sin? There's a prosecuting angel that is creating who Hashem in his infinite generosity and loving kindness sustains. He waits patiently for us to do teshuva, but until we do teshuva, the soul needs to be cleansed. Again, so this explains, um, God forbid, the punishment, right? So the, the only reason for punishment is, God, God forbid, is to cleanse the soul. Okay. Um, Again, a question that some of you may be thinking, again, we're not live right now in the class, but some of you may be thinking is, Rivka, didn't you say in the first principle that Hashem does everything, like he, it's only him, he's the one who does everything, including how we act? 
Um, great question. Again, many, many, many of our sages have discussed this. I'm going to concentrate on what the Chafetz Chaim says. He states that the outcome of a deed is totally from Hashem, but our Yerah Shemaim, so our desire to do good or evil, is up to us. Just because the reward or punishment is not obvious to us, because obviously we see a lot of evildoers gallivanting their power, right? The effects of our choices have an immediate effect on our soul. So just because the reward and punishment, you can't, you can't see it necessarily, does not um, take away from the fact that it uh, immediately affects our soul, right? Sin blocks divine light and God forbid causes darkness, confusion, while righteous deeds welcome the light in. And of course, thank God, give us clarity. Rabbi Brody explains how this happens. And... Um, this is a this is a this is really important to you know listen closely again um, the book by Rav Aryeh Leibowitz called Neshama also talks about this um, so there are and obviously there are many many more books many many more um, written work that talk about this um, but I'm gonna the information I am about to say all comes from Rabbi Brody's book the Thirteen Principles of Amuna okay now the soul is. The soul is made up of three parts. Actually, it's made up of five parts. We're going to concentrate on the three parts and we're going to arrange it from top to bottom, right? Vertically. It is uh, the, so it consists of neshama, ruach, and nefesh. These correspond to the brain, heart, and liver. So cognizance and understanding is in the brain, which corresponds to our neshama. Emotion and speech is in our hearts, which corresponds to ruach, and bodily functions is in our liver, which of course corresponds to nefesh. Important to note that the nefesh, the lowest part of the soul, cannot perform any voluntary actions, action, actions without direction from the ruach and neshama. So Rabbi Brody brings the Militzer Rebbe's teachings from the Zohar, from, uh, from Parsha Pinchas, to illustrate the interaction between the three that result in two types of flow that Rabbi Brody coins as Number one, the noble flow, and number two, the ennoble flow. Okay, so we're going to now discuss the noble flow, which is, again, going from top to bottom, which is going from neshama. If you can imagine me, I'm point, my hand is pointed towards my head. Ruach, which now my hand is towards my heart. And nefesh, the, my hand is, I guess, towards my liver. So, again, it's a little bit of a spiritual biology class, but it's really, really important because um, to understand this because... When we understand things, um, we tend to, when we know better, we do better. Okay, so the neshama, the divine soul in the brain, clarifies the truth, right? So all of the information that we have constantly coming to us and we receive, the brain clarifies, you know, the truth of it and determines the upright course of action or speech and then pass it, passes it down to the ruach, the heart, right? And it specifically goes on the right side of the heart, right? And at this point... Um, Rabbi Brody explains that the the heart is straightened. It's yashar, okay, because it goes on the right side. The information is converted into an upright desire, right, in the heart, which then passes down to the nefesh in the liver, which causes the body and limbs to do the desired act. Again, in the liver, or this, or where uh, Rabbi Brody also states, like this is where the animal soul resides. It's tamed. The animal soul is tamed in the liver. And again, it is tamed because the desired um, decision passes down through the heart. So um, 
like, of course, we can't measure this on a human level, like, you know, you know, how this occurs, but this, this, this happens. So obviously, if there's a flow from top to bottom, known as the noble flow, there is also um, capacity for God forbid, the flip side, um, which is the ennoble soul, which goes from God forbid, the bottom up, which is from the liver, to the left side of the heart, to the brain. So the animal soul is the one that takes over in the ennoble flow, God forbid. So in this ennoble flow from the bottom heart, uh, sorry, from the bottom up, the wild horse energy, right? This is what Rabbi Brody, Rabbi Brody describes, right? The animal soul. So the wild untamed horse energy from the liver is passed to the left side of the heart, right? And in this left side of the heart, God forbid, lo and lenu, it bends the heart out of shape and causes sadness and depression. And the ruach, right, the ruach is subdued, subdued, and then it goes up to the brain. Now, now you would say like, okay, so it goes to the neshama, great, the neshama is able to fix everything, right? Because it's like inherently ho like holy and it knows better and it makes the right decisions. Actually, when it goes to the left side of the brain, and it passes to essentially, sorry, the left side of the heart, and it goes up to the brain, the neshama is not subdued, it actually leaps, God forbid, right? It completely creates a vacuum of space for human logic and intellect. And that is how everything is upside down and twisted in 2023. Um, now we can understand like the mechanism of how some people are one way and how some people are another way. Okay, so we see that we have free choice to gravitate towards happiness, or sadness, God forbid. The best and only way to guarantee a top-down flow is by studying Torah and strengthening our emuna. right? We need da'at. We need good information. We Because again, anything we're putting inside our minds, it trickles down to our actions, right? Because everything, whatever we do, it goes into thought, speech, and action. So we just have to, you know, so again, the best way to feed um, our souls from in a top to down flow again is by studying Torah, strengthening our amuna. Um, of course, there's going to be resistance from our animal soul because yes, even though our neshama is in charge, God willing, um, the the nefesh is still you know trying to gain control, right? That's the job of the yitzar hara. It's trying to conquest. It's trying to conquer our hearts. God forbid. So we need to feed our minds with spiritual nutrition to resist the lies being thrown at us, being thrown at us constantly by the confused world. Of course, um, not to get political at all, at all. Um, but look at the politicians in the world, and you could see that you know they present themselves in one way, but they their actions are heinous. Um, okay, principle 12, I believe with complete belief in the coming of Mashiach, that, and even though he tarries, I will nonetheless await him every day, whenever he comes. According to the Rambam, we are ob obliged, obligated to believe in the coming of Mashiach and not to think it will be delayed, even though we may be waiting. We should nonetheless await him. In other words, we are never, ever to lose hope. This is specifically the reason... Um, our sages prohibit anyone from trying to predict Mashiach's arrival, right? So speculation, in, in a nutshell, speculation is completely prohibited, but anticipation is obligated. Speculation shows a lack of emuna, while anticipation is all about emuna, right? We'll believe it before we even see it. After 120 years, when a person goes up to Shemaim, one of the most important questions that he will be asked is, 
did you anticipate the salvation, right? Did, did like, and of course we see this in Masachat Shabbos 31a. This, what does the salvation consist of? It consists of Mashiach, Ge'ula, and the rebuilding of the third and final Beit HaMikdash. So Mashiach, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, Mashiach is the catalyst that activates the process of salvation. So again, when we talk about, you know, when we yearn for Mashiach, we're talking about three things. It's Mashiach, Ge'ula, and the rebuilding of the third and final uh, temple, the final Beit HaMikdash. So this means that every day, each one of us should be loud and clear, saying out loud, yearning for Mashiach, right? Literally, like, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone follows, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast um, sorry, listening to this class, follows Charlene Aminoff. Every single day on her, she posts. I should actually do this also when I post. I should do this. I don't know why I don't do this, but I should do this. Um, every single day she posts. Right now, say out loud, Hashem, please, we need Mashiach now. So every single one of us should be saying out loud every single day, Hashem, please, we need Mashiach now. Of course, we also talk about Mashiach in Ashmona Esrei, Birkat Hamazon, Aleinu Kaddish, on, and on Shabbos during Kedusha. And by the way, the Gemara states that, God, that anyone who does not believe in the coming of Mashiach is a heretic, God forbid. So how do we know who he is, right? So the Rambam gives various criteria for for when one, for to determine if one is regarded as being Mashiach versus certainly being Mashiach. There is a differentiation. Again, I'm getting this um, directly from uh, uh, Rabbi Brody's book. I'm going to read it exactly. So regarded to be Mashiach. Number one, he must be a descendant of David, David HaMelech. Number two, immersed in Torah and mitzvah observance. Number three, leads all of Israel to lead lives of Torah, not just the small group, but everyone, secular, religious, all ethnic groups with no exception. Number four, he fights all those who rise up against Hashem and his Torah. If he fulfills the above four conditions, totally and not partially, we are obliged to regard him as Mashiach. Now, what are the criteria to that, uh, the, that you know, one must meet to be to to be certainly Mashiach. Number one, he defeats the enemies of Hashem and His Torah. Number two, he builds the holy temple in its proper place in Yerushalayim. Number three, he gathers the exiles from the four corners of the earth to our holy homeland in the land of Israel. If he also fulfills the above three conditions, then he is certainly Mashiach. Clearly, no one in history since. David Amalek has come close to fulfilling the prerequisites of re being regarded as Mashiach, much less than much less than certainly being Mashiach. Right? Okay. So, what will life look like? You know, during the Messianic era. What I mean when I say Messianic era, I'm saying when Mashiach is actually finally get Bezrat Hashem revealed. Um, when he's here, what is life going to look like? So the Rambam states that the natural course of the world will not be altered, right? Cars will still drive. We're still going to have to pay bills. Um, but what? But the monarchy will return to the house of David, and the world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. So Rav Daniel Katz, he gave a really, really nice interview uh, about a month ago. It was awesome. And he was obviously asked, because he's, you know, he's a... Thank God. Any, everyone should listen to Rav Daniel Katz's uh, classes. They're amazing. So he was asked, like, what's, what's it going to be like during the time of Mashiach? And he essentially stated that everyone, every single person will be operating in a very, very high level of consciousness, of trust in Hashem. Rabbi Brody adds that there is no 
greater sublime pleasure anywhere than getting to know Hashem and getting close to Him. The days of Mashiach will bring mankind to a spiritual level beyond what we can fathom today. Also important to note that our emuna and teshuva during the times of Mashiach will not hold the same value as it does today. So right now, reap the benefits of, of emuna and teshuva before it's extremely obvious to the entire world. Because again, in the times of Mashiach, anyone who sins will essentially, God forbid, be a kamikaze. Because the knowledge of Hashem in his Torah is going to be so incredibly obvious that it, it, it's, God forbid, a suicide mission to, God forbid, sin during the time of Mashiach. Okay, principle 13. I believe with complete belief that there will be a resurrection of the dead at the prescribed time that the Creator will wills. Blessed be His name and may He be exalted forever and ever. Okay, so we say this every day in Shemona Esrei, you know, Baruch HaTahashem Mechayam We are talking about resurrection of the dead. In fact, we actually mentioned this in Shemona Esrei six times. And obviously the question is why? So Rabbi Brody brings the Tiferet Shlomo's insight on this, specifically um, in Chaye Sarah, Parsha Chaye Sarah, the first time believing in Tchiat HaMetim, when was it actually codified? When was it actually done? It was actually done by uh, Yitzchak Avinu, right? When Avram Avinu was about to sacrifice his son in the last uh, test of faith, right? In the 10th test, our sages say that Yitzchak's soul actually left his body, but returned when the angel stopped Avram from moving forward with the Akedah. Yitzchak, saw, Yitzchak Avinu saw firsthand that Hashem revives the dead. And it was specifically this knowledge that consoled Yitzchak Avinu when Avram Avinu passed away at 175 years old, that Hashem certainly revi- revives the dead, right? In the Tiferes, in the Tiferes, Tiferes, Shlomo, um, you know, uh, it's discussed that um, Yitzchak Avinu was unconsolable, but specifically he remembered this, you know, Mechayim Meitim, you know, specifically this that consoled um, Yitzchak Avinu, because again, Avram was a giant. Of course, we remember his chesed, but he was the first monotheist. We have discussed this many times. He was the first monotheist. Anything that Yitzchak Avinu knew was, uh, was totally from his giant spiritual father. So um, obviously the loss was extremely great, but he was consoled because he knows, he believes, he believed that, you know, when the time is right, whenever, whenever Hashem wills it, there will be a revival of the dead, the resurrections. Rabbi Brody also brings his own insight, his own chiddush, right, as to why the men of Anshei Knesset Hagadola put such emphasis in our Amida that Hashem resurrects the dead. A central principle in our Jewish faith. Okay, first let's remember who the Anshei Knesset HaGadola were, right? In the last class, we, we actually talked about this when we were discussing, you know, the uh, essentially the family tree, the history, whatever you want to call it, when Hashem um, gave over the Torah from Moshe. And finally, you know, when it came all the way down to us, we mentioned Anshei Knesset HaGadola. Who were the Anshei Knesset HaGadola? Of course, they were the um, the Nevi'im, um, actually the last of the Nevi'im who developed prescribed prayer. Um, so, because they were Nevi'im, they were obviously able to see what will be of the Jewish people. They saw that the Jewish people would have to go through persecutions, inquisitions, tortures, um, God forbid, attempted annihilations, right? We saw the Holocaust, God forbid. Um, and they saw that the Jews needed in their daily prayers 
to, to have something to overcome and be victorious, right? Not to be victims and lose faith, God forbid, but to be victorious and continue on and, and, and continue with strength in their emuna and bitachon in Hashem and of course his Torah. So this was Rabbi Brody's chiddush of why, um, you know, resurrection, resurrection is so central um, in our, in, you know, in our Jewish faith and why it's specifically put in the Shemona Esri. Okay, so what have we done so far? Summarizing everything that we've done. Principle of 11, reward, punishment, and free choice. Principle 12, Mashiach. Principle 13, resurrection. So Be'ezrat Hashem and the Sput of our Avot, our spiritual giants of Raham Yitzchak Yaakov, and all the great Sadiqim and Shemaim who have paved the way for our understanding, keep keeping, safeguarding, loving Hashem's holy Torah. May Mashiach come b'shalom. May Klal Yisrael be redeemed. And may the third and final Beit HaMikdash be built b'shalom. Benpera b'amenu amen selah. Thank you so much. Chodesh Nisan Tov.